Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. With your host, Andrew Donaldson, this is Heard Tell. Ah, welcome back to Heard Tell. Been a while. We'll talk about why that is in just a little bit. I'm Andrew Donaldson. Thank you so much for giving us the most precious thing you have, your time, so we continue to do what we always do. Turn down the noise of the news cycle, talk about some things that really matter, get to the information you need, not all that caterwauling on the internet or on those Facebook posts that people can't stand. None of that mess. Just talk about what's really going on. Uh, We'll update why we haven't been doing these shows a little bit later on. Let's start with the GOP primary, though, because, as we've been writing about, we haven't been talking about because we haven't done a show since December, uh, there is no GOP primary for president. It's over. It's been over. Uh, It took 31 minutes for the Iowa caucuses to get called. That's about the fastest in a contested primary we can remember. Donald Trump won by the largest margin in a contested primary, even though he's kind of a He's not a non-incumbent because he's been a president before, but you get the idea. Uh, He destroyed the field. Second place was in, I can't see you from here, second place. Nikki Haley was even further back in third. And then the arguments started. Let's just back up for a minute. We have been telling you for a while. This isn't just me saying this. You can look at my Twitter feed. You can look at my writing. A lot of people, anybody that paid a lick of attention... Donald Trump was going to roll through these primaries. The indictments, all the talk, everything that's been going on, all the scandals, all the madness, all the hype about other candidates, all that died a frigid death in a very cold Iowa uh, back on last Monday night. No, there wasn't any momentum by any other candidates. No, there was not going to be any mass exodus from Trump because of the issues we just discussed. No, Ron DeSantis was not going to replace Donald Trump as the next big thing. No, Nikki Haley didn't have any momentum. Um, As I wrote about, you know, sloshing is not surging. That was just a small group of GOP folks trying to find a better option. We've seen this movie before. There was two polls going into Iowa. Uh, And again, these were just folks in Iowa, but you're going to find this all through the GOP because, again, Things don't happen in a vacuum. They happen in a sequence. We know why things happen the way they do. The two questions that give away the entire game of this primary and all the horse race stuff and all the, well, if you win New Hampshire or you get close or the 3-2-1 strategy where you're going to be in third and then second and first, which has never actually happened, by the way. The two questions that give away the entire game of this primary are thus. A vast majority, almost 70%, of Iowa caucus goers said they would vote for Donald Trump even if he's convicted of a crime on any of the multiple charges he's currently facing. The second question that gives away the game. 
is that almost 70% of those same folks believe that the election in 2020 was stolen. These are not fixable problems in the typical political sense. You're not going to talk people out of these positions. You're not going to reason with them. You're not going to explain it to them. If they believe it now, if they believe that it's okay to vote for somebody that has criminal convictions, if it's okay to vote for Trump despite everything he's done, if it's okay to think that the election was stolen even though it clearly wasn't, it has been adjudicated that it wasn't, the more they say it is, the less true it is, you can't reason with that. You're not fixing that. And the Ron DeSantis's and the Nikki Haley's were never going to convince those people by being 35-40% of Donald Trump, especially with Donald Trump in the race. Those folks that believe those two things, that the election was stolen and that Donald Trump should be elected no matter what, they don't want Trump light or Trump 2.0 or Diet Trump or whatever else Trump alternatives that have been pitched to them. They have Donald Trump on the ballot, and they want Donald Trump. They want Donald Trump for a lot of reasons, but one of the biggest reasons is if they can get him reelected, then they were right all along and don't have to admit they were wrong. That's it. That's not a political position. That's not an ideological position. They like Ron DeSantis. They like Nikki Haley. They feel something with Trump. A lot of them love Trump. Trump is this emotional support avatar for whatever you think is wrong with the world to a lot of Trump voters. And they're never going to let it go. Now, they're starting to let it go in small numbers because that was only 70%. If you did this a couple of years ago, or if you would have done it pre-January 6th or maybe a little earlier, those numbers probably would have been 90% support. Now he's down around 70. Long term, there's an implication there. I don't think Donald Trump can win a general election because I don't think he's going to keep enough Republicans and independents especially because Joe Biden's going to max out his turnout again. He Here's a prediction. Write it down. If we're wrong, we'll come back and say so. Just bookmark this. Joe Biden set a record for getting the most votes of any presidential candidate in history. He's going to break his own record in November. He's going to get that much support because he's not Donald Trump. Joe Biden in a coma is going to get massive support just because he's not Donald Trump. So Donald Trump has problems going. But as far as this GOP primary going... It's not a primary. You have about two-thirds of the party almost who are going to vote for Trump. And Ron DeSantis is going to endorse Trump. And Nikki Haley is going to endorse Trump. And that jackass Vivek has already endorsed him because he was a surrogate for Trump from the go anyway. They're all going to endorse Trump. And that 70% that said they'll vote for him, even if he's convicted, they mean it. And they're going to do it if he gets convicted. And they really do think the elections were stolen. And there's no way to reach any of them on any of it. And Donald Trump is going to be the GOP primary. This thing's already over. We told on social media, if you follow us, Four for the Fire, or on my writing at ordinary-times.com, I've wrote a couple pieces over the last few weeks about this, including one on Nikki Haley and one on the Iowa caucuses you can read there. We'll put the links in the show notes. All those New Hampshire pollings, there was an outlier poll that showed it virtually tied. It's like none of that matters until after Iowa because Nikki Haley got stomped so hard in Iowa, you got to wait for that to catch up. Well, now we got it. It's back to about, you know, 13 to 15 points, depending on which poll you want to believe. Suffolk poll has her back down to 36% with Donald Trump back over 50%. He's going to win New Hampshire, folks, probably by double digits, comfortable double digits. Then they're going to go to South Carolina, Nikki Haley's home state, and she's going to lose by at least 30 points. 
this primary, it's not fair to say it's over. It was never a primary to start with. It was a primary in name only. Nobody had a chance of beating Donald Trump in this primary, especially this slate of candidates and Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley, who every time Donald Trump got indicted, they had to turn around and say, oh, how horribly he's been treated. There's no oxygen in the room. He sucks it all up because they're not allowed to say anything really bad about Donald Trump. And they're both going to endorse him probably somewhere around the middle of March, if not sooner, because this puppy's over. Donald Trump's going to roll it up. And then we're going to talk about his trials and tribulations. The Biden campaign's going to drop a billion dollars of advertising on his head. And he's going to keep bleeding support with the few Republicans left in the party. And there's not very many of them because most of them have already left. And especially independents and moderates who aren't going to vote for him. I don't think he can win. Now, can he win? Of course he can win. He's on the ballot. Weird things can happen. A lot of strange stuff can happen. Nobody saw COVID happen. Nobody saw 9-11 happen. Nobody saw the recession that affected the 2008 election happen. Weird stuff can happen. So, of course, it's in the realm of possibility. But the numbers don't lie. One of those other things that die to death is like, no, the polls aren't mostly wrong. They're usually pretty close, especially this day and age. They've got it down to a science. The polls aren't lying. Trump is dominating this primary, but he's weaker than he was before, even among the GOP primary. And he's going to be a very wounded candidate in this general election, even against a candidate in Joe Biden who has the advantages of incumbency, but against any other candidate would probably be at a disadvantage because of his age, because there's things that folks just don't like about his policies. He hasn't been spectacular. There's things they don't like, like the Afghanistan pullout. The economy's been a little uneven. Inflation has really hurt him. But none of that will matter if Donald Trump's on the other side of the ballot, who's similar of age, just as lunatic when it says stuff just off the wall, so all the dementia stuff about Joe goes out the window because Donald Trump says crazy stuff and actually means it. This is where we're at. There's been this whole theme for a while now of nobody wants a rematch. Well, one of our core principles is actions, not words, right? Nobody did anything to prevent the rematch. So folks on social media can say till they're blue in the face, nobody wanted a rematch. But their actions absolutely said everybody wants a rematch. The other thing we can take from this is how weak the benches are right now, Democratic and Republican. We haven't talked about this a lot yet because we're going to kind of wait until Trump starts passing off the scene. But here's the thing about Donald Trump. He absolutely destroyed the national candidates for the Republican Party. Looking at Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley, we can't project too far into the future what might occur to them, although I can guess. Go back to 2016. Look at the people that ran against Donald Trump in 2016. Is any single one of them have a higher profile or more respected now having done so? Ted Cruz, who for all practical purposes was second in that race? He's pretty much a laughing stock. Donald Trump ripped out Ted Cruz's political soul and then wore it as a hat and then has spent the last few years making sure Ted Cruz compliments in public how wonderful Donald Trump's new hat is. Marco Rubio? Remember, he was a rising star. Trump's sycophant now. Can't say anything bad about Trump. I mean, he'll be reelected in the Senate in Florida probably as long as he wants to run, but, you know, diminished. 
And you can go on down the list of everybody else that ran in that campaign. I suspect the same is going to be true with Donald Trump this time. Nobody survives first contact with Donald Trump because they don't know how to fight him. They don't really want to fight him. And they wound up doing this mealy mouth nonsense that makes them look really, really silly. And if you want to have leadership after Donald Trump, all of these people are going to be judged by how they handle Donald Trump. And even the Trump fans, here's the dirty little secret. The hardcore Trump fans, they don't respect anybody that just supports Donald Trump because they know they have to because they can smell it on them and they can see it in their actions. The people like Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley, the double speak, the trying to assage it of, oh, I'm attacking Trump and not really, please still vote for me. Hardcore Trumpers are never going to respect that. And those Trump voters are going to survive long after Trump's passed off the scene in this party. The Republican Party has nobody to blame but themselves. And when they start harping about binary choice, no, this is not a binary choice. This is a result of years of action. You had other options in 2016. You had other options. 2020 is an incumbent, so that's a little different. You definitely had options this time. And every single turn. They decided they wanted Donald Trump. It wasn't a binary choice. It was a plan because they wanted it this way. So here we are. Donald Trump is going to romp through this primary. It's going to be over very, very quickly. And then it's going to be Trump v. Biden to the rematch. And I suspect the result will be pretty similar, if not a little better, for Joe Biden. Unless something really screwy happens. More hotel right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Ah, welcome back to Hurtel. Okay, where have we been? I want to give you a little bit of update. I don't want to do a whole bunch of personal stuff because y'all got your own problems. You don't need to worry about mine. But where have we been? Well, I've planned on taking a little break up uh, over the holidays, which I did. But now we're in the middle towards the end of January. So what happened? If you're not following me on social media, 4 for the Fire at Twitter, uh, Hurtel Show at Twitter. Uh, we're also going to be branching out to some other social media coming up. Um, New Year's Day... I had this great plan, like a lot of people, like we're going to hit 2024 running. Um, I had some things going on in my family life, like, okay, that's going to resolve itself. We're going to hit the ground running in 2024. 2024 is going to be our year. 
Did all y'all say that? That lasted 12 hours. New Year's Day, right around noon, um, my father uh, had a massive stroke. Um, my college-age kid was fortunately with him, acted quickly, no doubt saved his life, uh, probably saved uh, a lot of his function and other things by uh, quickly responding. My mom was there as well, but my dad takes care of my mom uh, in a lot of ways, um, so my mom doesn't drive anymore, for example, things like this. So my college-age kid was there, reacted very quickly. I want to publicly thank uh, the EMS folks. Uh, my father, they live rurally, our small little hometown in West Virginia, where my mom's family's been on that mountain for over 200 years. Our local EMS has always been excellent. My dad, from the moment he had his stroke till he was in the ER getting a TPA shot, was under 30 minutes. Uh, so my thanks to the EMS, uh, Nicholas County EMS, Somersville Fire Department, Jane Care Ambulance, you guys were fantastic. Um, but it was a severe stroke. They transported him to WVU Medicine in Morgantown. If you're not familiar with WVU's hospital, it is exceptional. Uh, they specialize. They were just on 60 Minutes about a, a week ago. Um, featured uh, their neurology department on some of their all-timers research. They're excellent with, excellent with neurology and cardiology and this sort of thing. It's a fantastic hospital. They were wonderful to us. We were in Ruby for over a week. Um, cannot say enough good things about them. But long and the short of it, obviously I had to go up to West Virginia. Uh, I had to be with my dad. Um, he got moved to rehab, so I've been kind of going back and forth a little bit. As you're listening to this and we're putting it out, we're hoping he's going to be coming home from rehab pretty soon. When he comes home from rehab, I'm going to be with them uh, pretty much full-time for the foreseeable future to help take care of them, help my dad with his rehab. If you don't know my own backstory, I had a TBI while I was in the military. I had full right-side paralysis, including my face, including speech involvement. My dad has right-side paralysis, including speech involvement. His cognitive's good. He just can't neuromotor can't physically and he's made great strides he's killing it in physical therapy he's super motivated um he's doing as well as he can be doing he's going to work hard at it i've been there i've done this kind of therapy i've had to rehab i've had to learn how to write with my right hand again i've had to learn how to walk again i've done all this so i feel that's a blessing in this situation i get to go do this and help my folks out so that's where we're at on that i'm telling you all this because my plans for this program and for my writing and my media and my other stuff uh, obviously have greatly changed now. Uh, so if you accuse me of tweeting from my mom's basement for the next couple of weeks, there's validity accusation. I'm probably in my mom's basement in my old bed downstairs uh, tweeting. Um, how are we going to do this program? Well, fortunately, about three days before the stroke happened, Dad actually got modern internet put into up yonder finally. They had horrible internet up there. I couldn't even do audio or anything else. You could barely text message up there. Um, they live right on the side of the hill before you get to the top of the hill and just the reception. You can't even get cell reception real good there. They have modern internet now. So uh, there's going to be some guerrilla radio involved here. Uh, I'm going to try to do episodes of this program. I'm going to be doing my writing. I've already... Um, my local column for Fayette Tribune, I hadn't been doing that. I found the first one's going to come out this week and get back to doing that. I got some more West Virginia-focused stuff I want to do because, frankly, national politics are boring me, uh, and it's just ugly, and I want to focus more on West Virginia going forward. Um, and I'm going to be there, so that'll make that easy. My normal rig that I record this program on, I have a broadcast quality uh, video and audio rig in my home so I can do... You know, when I do a TV hit or I do Fox or I do Young Turks or I do, you know, whoever's 
anybody wants to do anything. I've done Times Radio in London uh, from overseas. I can do anything from my home setup. That's what it's designed for. That's not portable, and I can't take that with me. Um, so we are going to do a little bit of guerrilla radio. I'm going to take a microphone, take the webcam, take a circle thing. It may be not the quality you're used to, but we're going to try to put some stuff out. it would be a lot of audio for right now until we figure out the video setup uh, and if we're going to be able to do that up there. So that's where we're at on all that. You have uh, invested a lot of time in listening to this program. Those of you that have subscribed to the Substack, I really appreciate you, especially those of you that have uh, supported financially. That's fantastic, hertel.substack.com. Um, please continue to do that. All of this will start picking back up. We'll get back to work. Even when I'm up there uh, helping them out, uh, I'll be writing. I'll be putting out shows. So I apologize for not doing so. I'm sure you understand why because it's been a lot of back and forth. Um for me to go into my mom and dad's home for a long period of time, I had to set some things up. Fortunately, my children are all older now. Three of them are now technically adults, <laughs> which is a weird stage of life. But I, it frees me up, and I'm blessed to where I'm going to be able to help them out. And my family's super supportive of me doing that, and they understand. So that's where we're at on all that. Uh, I will give updates on social media from time to time on dad. I don't want, I'm not going to be doing like videos and stuff. I, it's obviously a private matter, but he's doing great. Uh, all things considered, he had a very rare type of stroke, what they call a deep brainstem stroke. Um, and, uh, all things considered, they're just amazed at his progress and his attitude and how hard he works. Um, he's way ahead of where they thought he was going to be already. I have confidence, whatever he can get back, he's going to get it back. Cause that's just the kind of guy he is. Uh, so we appreciate your prayers. Um, one of the biggest tweets I ever had is when I put out that my dad had a stroke, and I, I I could not physically go through all the replies and thank everybody, but y'all were awesome. So thank you very much for that. All right, that's enough belly aching. Let's get back to work. Thank you for your support. Make sure you're following us, uh, Four for the Fire on Twitter, Hertel Show on Twitter. Uh, we're going to look into the other platforms. We're looking at doing maybe some IG stuff. I hate Facebook, but I may just have to bite the bullet and do it. And of course, uh, the Hertel Substack, hertel.substack.com. All the content on the Substack is free. You can donate if you want to, but we're not going to charge you for the content. It's all free. So that's enough of that. Let's get back to work right after the break. More Hertel right after this. back to Hertel. One thing we do is we always update stories when we can. We don't just do hit and runs on stuff. We've covered Uvalde a few different ways a few different times since it happened, the horrific shooting. Look, it didn't pass the eye test and the smell test when we watched it. Anybody that watched that said, this isn't right. Something's wrong with the law enforcement. Why are they doing this? This ain't right. Now the Justice Department has issued its report um, on Thursday as I'm recording this. And it is scathing. We will link to it in the show notes. Quote, the most significant failure was that responding officers should have immediately recognized the incident as an active duty situation. 
using the resources and equipment that were sufficient to push forward immediately and continuously towards the threat until entry was made into the classrooms. That's the DOJ report. Let's pause for a second. The old way of doing things before Columbine massacre, and we all remember Columbine, where um, the two kids shot up Columbine, kind of the first of this modern trend of school shootings. The tactical plan before that was more of a hostage rescue type thing where you barricade it, you secure it, and then you wait to make contact. What law enforcement figured out was with this new, the new wave of shooters, they don't care about that. You got to get in there and neutralize them because they're just going to keep killing people. So for the last 25, 30 years, however long it's been now, the standard operating procedures for an active shooter is the first responders push in and attack the shooter until the shooter is neutralized. Um, we could use flowery language, but let's just be plain here. As soon as you got enough people to go at this the shooter and kill them, you do so because there's no other option because he's going to keep killing people, he or she or they or whoever it might be. The shooter's going to keep shooting until you stop them. So as fast as possible, you can wait for a little bit of backup, but you got to go in there and engage them. This was also the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas School down in Florida why that officer got so much flack for hiding. It's like, it doesn't matter. Your job's go in there and fight. That's what you're paid to do. Anyway, 19 school children and two teachers were killed here. How many of them could have been saved if the police had pushed a little harder? We've seen that heartbreaking video of the one officer being physically drugged out of the line and out of the school. And it turns out his wife was one of the teachers that was killed. He wanted to go in there and get them. And they held him back. That kind of stuff looked wrong. And now we have the full reporting that it was wrong. We're not going to go through this whole report. I read wide swaths of the initial reports on air on this program. You can go back and listen to that. It's really jarring stuff, but I thought it was important. Um, there's a lot of good police. There's a lot of good law enforcement. The vast majority of law enforcement is good. Most of the law enforcement that responded to Uvalde were not bad law enforcement people. They had very bad leadership. They had very bad communication. We know from this report now, there was a lot of things with this particular shooter where he fell through the cracks, should have been identified, should have been watched, should have been handled differently for years prior to this happening. There's a lot of blame to go around, and it's easy for us to sling the blame around. But when it comes blame time, the first place we need to put the blame is always on the leadership of the people involved. And it is crystal clear in Uvalde that all the other breakdowns, all the other procedural breakdowns, all the other communication breakdowns, and a lot of the blood that was spilled is on the hands of the leadership of the law enforcement that responded. There's just no other way to put that. Leadership matters. Accountability matters. And if you're going to do accountability, you always got to start with leadership. Law enforcement gets a lot of slack in this country, and justly so. They have a very hard job. They have a dangerous job. But some of the back-the-blue stuff forgets. The law enforcement is the armed enforcement wing of the government. And they have to be held accountable. They have the same problems any government agency does, whether it's on the local, state, or federal level. Sometimes you get bureaucrats in charges and in leadership positions where you don't need a bureaucrat being in charge. You get politically-minded people in positions of leaderships. You get people that have floated through the system or have gotten promoted just for hanging around. That happens in every organization, public and private. But when it happens in law enforcement and you get people in positions of authority that shouldn't really be there and the bullets start flying, now you got a problem. And unfortunately, it's not just a rounding error at a business 
or somebody loses a sales call or somebody doesn't get a service provided. When it's law enforcement leadership that screws up, people die. People get hurt. Communities get irrevocably ripped in half. It's important for us to hold leadership accountable. And when things like Uvalde happen, long after the viral videos have gone, and long after the outrage has kind of died down a little bit, when these reports come out, it is behooving to us to read them, understand them, and then start holding people accountable wherever you live of, hey, this Uvalde report came out. What are you doing, local sheriff's department? What are you doing, city chief of police, city council, county commission? What are you doing, congressman, senator, governor, whatever the case may be, state troopers, ATF, FBI? I don't care what level of law enforcement. You should be pushing. You have your social media. Put this report on your social media and start tagging some people in authority and go, hey, this report came out. What are we doing to make sure this doesn't happen here? You have power in your social media. You have power in your voice. You can go to city council meetings or county commission meetings, whatever the case may be, whether you're urban or rural, and use these reports to force a little bit of change because they should be reading these because Uvalde could have been any town in America, and you don't want it to be your town. But if it does happen in your town, you want to have law enforcement that are prepared, that face it bravely, and handle the threat with the least amount of loss possible. And that starts by being prepared by understanding what went wrong in Uvalde. Law enforcement somewhat understandably recoils because they don't like being criticized. But I'm sorry, you want to wear the badge, you want to carry the gun, you want that discounted Arby's, you want all those flags and all that support online and all the fun t-shirts of Back the Blue, this is the job. And it's your job to make sure you do it correctly. And when something like this Uvalde report comes out, do a little self-reflection and go, let's make sure we do better when it's our turn under fire. More Hertel right after this. Folks, if you've listened to the Herd Tell program, you've heard our friend Gabriella Hoffman, but you need to make sure you're checking out her podcast, District of Conservation. It's a podcast exploring the nuances of true conservation efforts from D.C. and beyond. From topic discussions to exclusive interviews with conservation and energy newsmakers, Gabriella keeps listeners appraised of the latest news stories while elevating important voices. Listen to the District of Conservation on Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are played. Folks, you've heard of Ethan Brown on the Herd Tell Show a couple of different times, but if you're interested in learning about how to discuss things like climate change without all the politics and doom and gloom, head over to his podcast, The Sweaty Penguin. Sweaty Penguin is a late-night comedy-style climate podcast working to add nuance, critical thinking, humor, and hope to the climate conversation. they got over 100 episodes already, breaking down weekly news stories and specific topics from the vanilla to the ADHD to the international accountability to orangutan. Yes, I know, it's a comedy thing, so just go with it. But each time, exploring different ways we can make progress on these issues while still helping the economy, health, security, and everything else we care about. Feel overwhelmed, exhausted, or excluded by today's climate change discourse? This is the podcast for you. Find The Sweaty Penguin wherever you get your podcast or at www.thesweatypenguin.com.
Let's go overseas briefly. Uh, welcome back to Herd Tell. Front page of the New York Times. Pakistan retaliates with strikes inside southeastern Iran. Iran is ticking a lot of people off right now. Um, the Houthis that we're shooting it out with, the U.S. Navy has been just busy as a bee in the Red Sea dealing with the Houthis. Um, they're Iranian proxies. Uh, Iran funds them. They arm them. They've got them as trying to take over Yemen. The country do not let anybody in media tell you the Houthis are Yemen. They are not. Um, they're their own thing and they really, really want to die for the cause. And we really, really need to kill the ones that are violent. So that's a mutual thing. Let's get that done. And the Navy and the American armed forces and our coalition partners are doing that. Now, Iran has decided to pick a fight with Pakistan. I'm not sure what's going on in Iran, although we know that it's very unstable and has been for years. Pakistan's got its own internal problems right now. And nothing rallies people around the flag like foreign interference. There is, of course, long history with Pakistan and Iran, good, bad, and indifferent. So for them to send warplanes some 50 kilometers inside of the border of Iran, unmolested, which tells you a little bit about Iran's preparedness, um, this is not good. Now, the World War III people who are always complaining every time America bombs anybody that, oh no, World War III have been particularly quiet about this one for some reason, but Iran wants to be a nuclear power. Pakistan does have nuclear weapons, so it is a concern. But... Turn down the noise on this just a little bit and zoom out for a second. Iran is making a lot of enemies right now. They're messing up worldwide trade. We already know that they were, you know, involved in backing Hamas with the Israel attacks. They've got issues. And, of course, there's the wider realignment fight in the Middle East of the Saudis and their partners versus Iran and their partners. Now, the Saudis, the House of Saud is a despicable um, they do all kinds of horrible, horrible things. They are a lesser evil than Iran in some ways, I guess. that You can at least do a little bit of business with them, but let's not act like they're good people either. They're not. Uh, they're a brutal dictatorship. They're terrible on human rights. They've done lots to hurt lots of Americans, including American servicemen, for years. There's the 9-11 ties we can talk about some other time. And Iran, of course, still chants death to America every Friday. There's no good answers here. But we need to understand the realignment issues that are going on. Iran has probably overstretched in trying to exert authority, especially with their buddy Russia a little tied up with other things right now. They're not getting the support they once had, and they're making a lot of enemies. Keep an eye on this. If we had uh, competent foreign policy in America right now and amongst our leadership, looking at you, Biden administration, and whoever might be president next, Trump was not great in the Middle East either, despite what you've been told they would start working this a little bit because you could get a coalition of people who even normally are disposed towards Iran to try to clamp down on them and isolate them a little bit for some of this nonsense they got going on because they're ticking off everybody right now. There's an opportunity here if we had competent foreign policy, but we don't. Now, the Biden administration is adjusting a little bit. They're putting the terrorist designation back on the Houthis at least, which they should have never removed in the first place because they were trying to placate Iran. But there's an opportunity here to start doing some squeezing on Iran in a meaningful way. And we should. Will we? I'm not going to hold my breath. But keep an eye on this Pakistan thing. Um, Pakistan is an important player. Of course, they border Afghanistan. They have a contentious relationship with India. Uh, now they're fussing with Iran. A lot going on over there. It's easy to forget it in an election year. It's easy to forget it with everything else going on. But pay attention to it. Keep your eye on it.
a lot of moving parts over there, and most of them overlap and all go together. More hard tell right after this. back to this abbreviated version of Herd Tell. We're going to get back to doing full programs soon, but we wanted to get a few thoughts down for you. Um, one of my favorite things is our buddy Keith Conrad's um, news side quest. It's an email service. You can get it. This is a little light note. Uh, meme falsely claims dinosaurs were only invented to prove evolution is real. There is no dino hoax. Uh, this is fun. Um, from the AP News Service. Uh, claim the world dinosaur was coined before the first dinosaur fossils were discovered, which proves that the prehistoric reptiles never existed. That's the claim. Now, the assessment is false. Humans have been finding dinosaur fossils for thousands of years. You know, we have... Dinosaurs are real. Let's let's just not be silly about it. Now, there's debate about why they existed, when they existed, the timeline. But yes, there was dinosaurs um, social media users have dug up an old meme to deny that the ancient beasts ever actually roamed the earth. Um, Sir Richard Owens, this is the AP, who created the term dinosaur, wanted to prove evolution to be true, reads an image shared. He knew that many specific scientific community embraced the same goal. He was broke and desperate to succeed after he invented the word dinosaur in 1842. Amazingly, the first dinosaur discoveries happened in 1858. In the top left corner of the image, this is the meme, the word dino hoax appears. It is unclear where the meme originated, but a Google search for dino hoax shows it's been going around since at least 2019. Owen, an English anatomist and paleontologist, introduced the term dinosauria in 1842 to describe the three types of the extinct reptiles that had been formally named after the first decades of the 1800s, but experts say fossilized dinosaur remains have been uncovered throughout human history, even though they were broadly recognized for what they were until the 19th century. Quote, Bruce Lieberman, director of Kansas Paleontology, people have been interested in not just fossil but dinosaur fossils for thousands of years. He explained there's archaeological and other types of evidence pointing to awareness even amongst the earliest civilizations. For example, Native American pictograms of a giant bird dated about 500 A.D. was found next to a site where the dinosaur's footprints were discovered. It goes on and on, but this is the funny version of memes being funny. Now, there's other versions of this that are funny, the flat earth people. Um, we, we had the anniversary of the JFK uh, assassination. There was a meme that, you know, it's long enough. We can have a little bit of a joke about it. It's like, he wasn't assassinated. His head just did that, that kind of thing. But it's also a good example of how easy it is for people to just believe stuff on the internet, especially things like Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, or a lot of people I noticed, you know, on people's phones, they have these news feeds that aren't really news feeds. They're just clickbait feeds. And it's easy to see something and get head up on it. And if you don't take a minute to Google it and follow up on it or check with a reputable news service, you get stuck on it. You get caught on it. And you're not sure whether it's true or not. It's vitally important, more than ever, for us to be very aware of what we're just smashing send on. Because a lot of those clickbait headlines are just that. They're clickbait. And memes that are most people who created a minimum to be funny, people can actually start believing them. 
So yeah, the dinosaur one's funny. It's just goofy and silly. But it's also indicative of how easy it is to click something, read it, not take a second to think about it, and all of a sudden you're down the rabbit hole. Real life's busy enough, folks. Don't do too much of that. More Hertel, right after this. Now let me see you go off like a bomb. Back to Hertel. I wrote a piece on I wrote a piece on Substack, and I wanted to share it with you. If you hadn't seen it yet, we'll put the link. It's called "Stupid Questions with Obvious Answers." It's just a little self-reflection, but I wanted to share it uh, as part of the program here. Many, perhaps almost all, are guilty of it. The automated, unthinking, muscle memory responses we reply with to strangers in public, the rhetorical "How you doing?" or a "Good morning, good evening" that might or might not be alive if the speaker knew the circumstances which they do not know, or care to know, or want to know. Thus the disarming, non-committal, socially acceptable bare minimum of the, of the currently convenient colloquialism. To my shame, I realized I am guilty. I confess. I have sinned. Standing in the elevator of a major hospital as people joined on various floors and came and went, I realized I was partaking in the habit of unmeaning words aimed at fending off strangers. The man ma- made eye contact, you see, you understand there was no choice at that point. I had to speak to him. How are you doing? Rolled out of my mouth without any assistance from my brain. And he, having no choice, now that the gabbing gauntlet had been thrown down, did what must be done and said, How you doing? He asked with, What was that in his eyes? Shame, confusion, desperate hope of something better, but not knowing what that might be. Now, I wasn't there when Paul was struck blind on the Damascus Road or Archimedes' Eureka or apple-whacking Newton, but right there I had myself a moment of realization. Integrity demanded, honor required, and my own strained and tired mind forced me to act and correct the situation. Thus, I dropped the social facade and went with honesty for both our sakes. I looked him in the eye and said, that was a really stupid question for a hospital elevator, wasn't it? The dam of social awkwardness broke. Yeah, it is, he chuckled, right? Because if everything and every one of us was okay, none of us would be in a hospital elevator, would we? Extrapolated on a roll of analysis of truth, life, and all the mysteries of the universe. Yeah, man, he said, I don't know why I do that, but you're right. My newfound brother of the banter agreed. The ding came and the door opened and it was his floor. You have a good one, or a better one, I should say, he said. And I mean that, he added with a smile as he exited. What an idea. Folks saying things that you get the small joy of knowing they mean it. Imagine hearing, have a good morning or evening with the endorphin hit of knowing it was as earnest as an upper Midwest hot dish dinner invitation. Ponder, if you will, the societal implications of millions of people saying, have a nice day or have a good one or have a good one or even the hoity-toity good day, said and received with the cognitive confidence of complete candor. Meditate on the bright new world of meaningful meetings and gregarious gab. A pipe dream? Perhaps, but a better goal and cause that doesn't require legislation, social movements, trending attention, or federal grants and subsidies, far more relatable than the utopian pointless warblings of that imagined song, and more attainable than the unicorn promises of infinite everything at no cost to you that the grifters are pushing. Just a little change in the most automatic and mindless of daily activities when interacting with a fellow human being for the briefest of moments. 
doesn't require as much courage and effort as we fool ourselves into thinking. Perhaps a small change to raise the bar on what we consider socially acceptable conversation in public places. Incremental advances on respecting others and each other to give them one thought before speaking instead of mindless, unmeaning fodder all. Let us go. Mean what we say to our fellow humans. And send no more. A piece I wrote on Herdtel's Substack, herdtel.substack.com a while back. Uh, that was in the elevator while I was going up to the 10th floor of Ruby Memorial to see my dad in Morgantown. Uh, that happened. Share it. Discuss it. Love it. Learn it. Live it. That'll do it for Herdtel. An abbreviated episode as I try to remember how to do this. Uh, as we said in our update segment, we'll try to get back regular to this. You can find us on all the podcasting platforms, iTunes, Spotify. Make sure your subscriptions are still good. Uh, follow us however you do it. Uh, iHeartRadio. Uh, we are on there now. If you listen on Google uh, Podcasts, that platform is actually going to be going away. Make sure you migrate to something else in the coming days. Google will probably update you as they go. But we're on every platform. We're even on a couple over in India that I can't even pronounce. If it has podcasts, we are on it. Find us, Herdtel, or type in my name, Andrew Donaldson. should come right up. You can always find us, herdtel.substack.com. Every episode We'll also have links on there, plus all the writing, media hits, everything we do. Kind of one-stop shopping for everything we do with Hertel. Four for the Fire on the Twitter if you want to follow my personal account. Do a lot of different things there, not just politics and culture. We do food. We do sunsets. We do all kinds of shenanigans. Uh, Hertel Show at the Twitter uh, or X now if you want to play along with that. It's all good. So wherever you are across the street, or around the world. We hope you're well. We hope you're well fed. We have missed you. We're glad to be back. See you next time for more Hurt Tell. All the music on Hurt Tell is provided under a creative content license from MonsterCat.com. Folks, if you've listened to the Hurt Tell program, you've heard our friend Gabriella Hoffman, but you need to make sure you're checking out her podcast, District of Conservation. It's a podcast exploring the nuances of true conservation efforts from D.C. and beyond. From topic discussions to exclusive interviews with conservation and energy newsmakers, Gabriella keeps listeners appraised of the latest news stories while elevating important voices. Listen to the District of Conservation on Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are played. Religion is at the intersection of our 21st century life, even if we don't express a faith. At a time when it seems that religion isn't as prevalent as it once was, it still leaves its mark everywhere. As a pastor, I know that religion isn't something I just do on a Sunday, but it's found in every nook and cranny of my life. Sexuality, politics, social media, the economy, war, nationalism, all have some kind of religious angle to them. And as a communicator, I want to find the stories that can help people understand this part of our society that is so important to so many. Hi, I'm Dennis Sanders, and I'm the host of Church and Maine. Church and Maine is a podcast about the journey of faith and where it intersects with modern life. I look at faith with a journalist's eye, asking the who, where, what, why, and how religion affects some of the major issues of the day. Join me as we journey together. You can listen to Church in Maine podcasts at the website churchinmaine.org or on your favorite podcast app. I look forward to seeing you. 
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.